0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Good afternoon, Phoenix, and welcome to Legitimate, your favorite legal podcast, talking about all of the fun stuff that affects consumer rights issues every day. And we are your hosts. I'm Rochelle Poulton.
0: And I'm Mike Poulton
1: and we're here to bring you the legitimate perspective on all sorts of issues that we handle every day. And today's topic is self-employed, managing income and expenses, dot, 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 during a crisis. We have two awesome guests with us. We have Paul Hershenberg and D. Patrick Lewis. And Paul, why don't you give our listeners more info about your awesomeness?
2: (laughs) Thank you, Rochelle. So, I run a couple companies. The first one, uh, we primarily focus on employee benefits is Hershen Stonewalsh Insurance Services, insurance and employee benefits. I'm also a financial advisor and have a financial advising
3: firm as well. And Patrick. My name is Patrick Lewis. I have been a residential realtor for about 18 years now. I'm also managing broker for uh, Realty Executives Phoenix. And I am a past president of the Scottsdale Association, past president of the Arizona Association, and a two-time Realtor of the Year.
0: That is awesome. (laughs) Well, we're very glad to have you both here today. Uh, This is going to be kind of a coronavirus special episode. This is the first episode of Logitimate that we're doing using a Zoom meeting from our own houses instead of from the studio at Business Radio X. We've really enjoyed being in the studio at Business Radio X. They're part of Max 6 a great co-working space Here in Phoenix, they've got a few locations, and it's just a great studio, so we're sad to not be able to get there in person anymore because of the virus. But this whole situation has caused a lot of changes for people who are self-employed and small business owners over even just the last few weeks. I know Rochelle and I have put a huge amount of time and effort into getting our businesses moved to a work-from-home and virtual work arrangement for ourselves and our staff. And this is something that's been real hard for a lot of our friends and clients who are also business owners. And that's why we have both of you with us today. Uh, You're both independent professionals with a lot of experience and connections to others in town who are dealing with the same things. So, this is just going to be a bit of a freeform discussion for us to talk about how the virus has changed our businesses and what you two are seeing, Paul and Patrick, with the people that you know and work with and how this is affecting them in your industries and related industries as well. Let's start there. Let's start there. Um, And let's just start with you, Paul. What are you seeing over the last month or so? What's been going on out there?
2: We deal with uh, several hundred small businesses here in town, and we normally do their employee benefits. And one of the services we offer is anytime they let an employee go or hire somebody, they just send us a quick little email, and then we either get them set up with their employee benefits or we take them off the employee benefits if they've been let go. And we have seen uh, a very small amount of new hires, and a very, very large amount of employees getting laid off, furloughed, uh, you name it. We're seeing a lot of that. It's probably about a 10 to 1 ratio right now.
1: Ouch. Yeah, the labor statistics were saying something crazy like uh, one week in Arizona was 3,300 claims and then the first week of... Uh, <laughs> March it ended up being twenty nine thousand in a day, so
2: yes, it's yeah.
1: kind of a mess.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely a mess out there. Um, but we are, you know, I think the the main thing here is that you know there is help on the way, a little slower than what we hoped it would be, but it looks like the help is on the way through a couple of federal programs that should help kind of stop everything or slow everything down for at least a little while. Um, and as long as this thing doesn't go, you know, three, four, five, six months. I would think that most businesses in the Valley should be able to recover.
0: And Patrick, you're very well connected on the real estate side of things. It's your business and you've been involved both professionally and uh, politically in the real estate business here. What have you seen over the last uh, several weeks to a couple of months as the virus has hit the United States? What's been going on with real estate in Phoenix?
3: Well, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of a mixed bag right now. Real estate, uh, for better or for worse, is... um, Somewhat of a slow-moving animal. A lot of the immediate data we have pointing to, you know, things have definitely slowed down a little bit. Um, that said, we were at such a such low inventory, though, that it's going to take us a couple months to even get back to a normal inventory level. And I will tell you, um, you know, my firm we have just under a thousand agents. We still have contracts being created every day. There are still listings going on. I mean. Like it or not, people need a place to live. They have to have a roof over their heads. And so where I think this is going to come in is I think it is definitely going to, you know, I've been in contact with all of my buyers that have been frustrated over the last few months and said, hey, be ready. And I think where we're incredibly fortunate here in the Valley is we've had such a good run that... Most people have 20% in their homes if it were to drop that much. Um, You know, I don't, we don't anticipate for your crisis. I think some of that's going to depend on how well the CARE Act, which Paul just talked about a little bit, um, can help impact things and stem things. I know here in Arizona, there are torrents put on evictions, uh, tenants rents, things like that. That's where it's going to become, it's, to get a little muddy. And I think it's going to may probably be at least May until we're really see or I think have a good clear indication of exactly what direction this is going to go.
0: Have you seen contracts dropping out or closing dates being extended as a result of it? Are people just reluctant De- to finish deals?
3: Definitely closing dates being extended right now. Uh, the state association, Arizona Association of Realtors, They've done a a lot of great work during this crisis. And they came out actually with a coronavirus slash COVID-19 addendum for us to use in these transactions. And it gives you a little flexibility to either cancel the contract, get interest money back, or extend close of escrow. A lot of it is is close of escrow extensions. I think people are still moving forward. They still see the value that they're buying real property. They're owning a piece of the land. And so a lot of escrow companies... Title companies, uh, lenders, they're all working from home. So it's definitely created delays in the process. And that's primarily why we're seeing a lot of those extensions. We have not had a huge amount of cancellations. In fact, the number of contracts our company created last week, year over year, is right about the same. It's only down maybe about 5% right now. Wow. So now, does that now, like reflect... I said, we'll, we'll see how this goes.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now,
0: does that reflect... Uh a drop back to normal activity levels from an increased rate of sale a few months ago? Or has there just not been a whole lot of a drop lately?
3: There just hasn't been a huge drop lately. We have not seen that yet. And like I said, I think there's a lot of buyers that have been frustrated over the last few months that are still by. And most people, thankfully, I think, have equity in their homes and can catch some of that out and may need to do that. So I do see it maybe more Market or more inventory on the market, but again, people still need a place to live. This is still a great place to live. I think investment property rents it helps with all of those types of different situations. Uh, you know, I don't want to be insensitive that there are definitely people hurt out there, but I think the state in Arizona is risking it to say, I think at this point it looks like it, it will weather it reasonably well. But again, time will mm-hmm. tell.
0: Time will tell. Definitely. And uh, speaking of telling things with time, Paul, I know your financial advising practice uh, involves work with a lot of small business owners and self-employed people. Wondering if you're seeing people pivoting, changing their business approaches as a result of this. Have you seen people getting out of their industries or getting into new lines of business to try to deal with a changing marketplace?
2: I don't think I've seen anybody really changing their line of business, but I, I guess what we've seen out there is we've got, you know, We've got clients of every kind of different aspect of the city. So we've got some clients that were able to go on to a, you know, a virtual type setting like, you know, is working from home and, and not really skip a beat. We've seen several clients have to shift. We got a lot of restaurants. Obviously, they had to shift and go more to more to delivery and more to pickup. We've seen other clients that haven't skipped a beat, construction clients that were just so busy going into this and there's they're still going a million miles an hour all the crews are still working we have seen other clients that truly have just gone from 100 miles an hour down to zero uh so we've really seen the whole gamut it just really depends on what that industry was if you were a dentist for example you're probably gone from eight employees down to one or two but if you're a construction company you probably haven't laid anybody off yet so it really just depends on the industry um but we definitely have seen a lot, of, a lot of businesses be able to go to more of a, of a home type situation. And I think from my standpoint, I think one of the things that we've noticed is that we're actually getting stuff done at a faster pace right now than we were getting stuff done a month ago. So stuff is not only still going, we're doing it more efficiently now that we're from home. And, and I think that's a lot of, you know, when you work from home, you don't really get a chance to leave work. So I think that a lot of my a lot of the people that work for us are, you know, they're returning emails at 8 at night and they're, you know, they're doing stuff at six thirty-seven in the morning, which before that wasn't really the case. So I, I think, you know, as far as my own business goes, we're getting more done now. We're more efficient now than we were a month ago. And that's what gives me hope, by the way. Is <laughs> when the long in the long run, I really think that, you know, the efficiencies that come out of bad times like this and, and the way businesses will evolve. That, is, that has to be very optimistic about this whole situation. And it is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But when we get out of it, I really think that we've got you know, a lot of great things have happened because of this that I think a lot of businesses will be able to take and move forward with it.
0: I would agree with that. I Absolutely. think the the increased efficiency point is is an interesting one because yeah. I think I've experienced the same thing. And part of it is just that I've got a fear that we won't be able to produce as well because of the disruption. So I'm trying extra hard to get things Ooh. done. Uh, it's yeah. just more effort. And also, uh, like you mentioned, you're in your office 24-7. So it, unless you really work hard to block out your personal time, it's just work morning to night. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's, it's been all right. Uh, it's been very difficult. We spent about a week at the firm with uh, almost complete downtime, getting everyone set up at home and the IT infrastructure in place. But it's been fairly smooth. I've talked to a lot of other self-employed people and small business owners through this. And one question that people keep bringing up is, when is this going to get back to normal? When are we going to be back to normal? And my thought is, we're never going to be back to normal. The United States has changed permanently and probably the world has changed permanently. The way we do business after this is not going to be quite the same way it was done before. And for my firm in particular, I don't see a strong drive for us to go back to a typical daily work schedule in the office. Once we've put the effort into getting set up for work at home like this, and we've got the collaborative tools in place, and we can do it efficiently, why would we all go back to that when it's just more inefficient and there's more overhead
3: associated with it?
0: Have you guys uh, been thinking about that or been talking to other people about how this may be a lasting change even after the virus passes?
3: I can tell you, we've definitely had those conversations. You know, we have about twenty five staff, twenty staff right around there, and fortunately, a lot of them are working remotely right now. And I agree with you. I think you know it's kind of creative constraint. You're forced to bring efficiencies to it because this is this is what you have to work with, so you find solutions within it. Uh, I think the challenge that I find is is that, building that culture and that camaraderie and those relationships is much more difficult this way
0: that is difficult wandering around uh, the office and meeting people and just joking around the water cooler uh, either exactly. literally or metaphorically is important it's hard to do that i
2: would I, I would i would actually I, I i really agree with patrick on this one you know even though yes we're going to we're going to lose some efficiencies by going back to the office the only reason why we're why we're so efficient right now is because of the relationships, relationships that we've built with each other over the last 10 years. And that camaraderie is the reason why we're being so efficient right now and why we're getting through this so well. I don't know, I don't know how long that would take to break down if we weren't going back to an office-type setting. And I think also for newer employees coming into the picture, it'd be harder for them. Obviously, a well-established employee, you know, we're probably okay, but that new employee coming in, they probably need a place to go. They need to understand the culture. They need the time to develop those relationships with their with their coworkers as well. Yeah, but you're right, Mike. Things have changed forever, and I do think that uh, we just need to be able to take the take the good and take the old and and figure out
1: how to uh, how to blend the two together.
0: That's absolutely right. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out.
1: Yeah, I'm, for our office, we went virtual. We've already were starting to do mostly phone and video conferencing for consultations. And now with the court systems, most courts are doing telephonic hearings these days, including bankruptcy court. It's a left up to the trustee, so a lot of this stuff is now going to be telephonic. And I'm not really sure why they would go back. Otherwise, uh, there's really no good reason to make people appear if you can always just have a telephonic hearing one of the other things we use as a team is zoom meetings. Obviously that's pretty handy for our weekly team meeting, just to make sure everyone's on the same page and we're all alive and kicking. And then G is awesome. So, you know, just being able to have everyone on there, ask questions throughout the day, uh, post gifts, do whatever has been really helpful at one, kind of taking the temperature of how everyone's doing and seeing who's working when, you know, I'm trying to maintain like, some semblance of work life balance because when you're at home and your office is your home. You can work at two in the morning and it doesn't really matter, but it's really kind of important to sort of build in a little bit of a schedule for yourself. So, I have like, we're sitting at my office desk, and so you know, around six or seven, maybe even eight o'clock at night, it's like, all right, I'm gonna get out of this room, I'm gonna go into the living room, and I'm done working for today, and then I'll resume work tomorrow at whatever time. That is hopefully not in the middle of the night. So (laughs) I think the work-life balance for, you know, it was never, ever a balance. It was more of a seesaw. But now it's definitely weird because you don't leave. There's nowhere to go. So I think we've kind of gotten a little bit used to it because we're going on week three now in the acceptance phase of the grieving process. Um, So how long have you guys been working from home?
3: Uh, I've been working from home now for a couple of weeks. Full disclosure, uh, I do have to go to office every now and again. Fortunately, there are parts of the real estate system that still only use checks and so are still checks to be processed. People still have to be paid right now. So I do have to go at it every once in a while. But, you know, I, I will say I, I agree with you. I think the work-life balance um, or harmony is definitely disrupted. For me, the other piece that's thrown in there is is kids not being at school now and trying to be able to uh, manage my work. And because I give, my wife has things that she's got to get done too. So I have to take over some of those duties sometimes. So those things can get done. And so it's definitely, I will be happy to go back to an office. <laughs> <It's that> <laughs> <way>.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um you know, for one of my employees, she's so awesome. You know, she's got two young kids at home and you know, for her, it's like, you've got the dogs, you've got the kids and it's 24, seven parenting now for a lot of people. Uh, and the problem is <laughs> you still have to teach your kids, have structure for them and try to work at home. And so now you're, people are just cooking more, they're definitely walking that dog a lot more often. Uh, like people are just really getting used to this work-life collision. I guess is probably the best way to say it.
3: It really has forced me to race time blocking <laughs> for all of us. And seriously, like, that has been the greatest godsend for me is to be able to block out my day and know what kind of my day is going it to... Just, it just helps it feel less chaotic. So
1: I use time blocking. I love time blocking. That's such an understatement. I try to block out, especially with being at home, because I look around, it's like, oh, I could do laundry. Oh, I should change the sheets. Oh, I should wash the windows. Like, so I just block out an hour in the middle of my day to just feel that itch that I've got of stuff instead of saying, I'll just do it when I'm done for today, because it just gives me anxiety all day. So I just take my break in the middle of the day, eat lunch, do whatever I'm going to do, and then I get right back to it. So that's been
3: really helpful. (laughs) I love that. I love that. (laughs) Uh,
1: Mike usually sees me walking around with my headset He's like, can you stop pacing?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> she does loops through my work area.
3: I know both Paul and I literally how we get steps in is we take phone calls. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, like I could probably go out on the patio, but you know, that's the other issue too. And about a month from now, it's gonna be triple digits. It's gonna be a little. Hots. And then, you know, getting out of the house, I think we're going to see a lot more people walking their dogs at about 4 a.m. <laughs> and about 11 p.m. at night. <laughs> but on to income. How do you make money as uh, being self-employed kind of in this day and age? Uh, well, especially right now. I think the big issue is some businesses feel or business owners are feeling desperate. Like, what do you do with sales, especially if you had a brick and mortar and now you're closed? You've got employees, you have overhead, or if you're in the service industry and you have services, what are you going to do? And I think the big key is you got to keep marketing. You still have to continue to make a presence. But what are what would be your recommendations for people in your industry?
2: In in our own industry? Yep, or any industry. So for for me in my industry, it's the relationship is still always the most important. So really, so what I've been doing to generate sales right now is doing what I do always, which is pretty much just calling my clients, seeing how they're doing. Uh, It's when, when you make that phone call, it is a lot of, Hey, you need to talk to my cousin, brother, uncle, friend, neighbor. And then that's what kind of spurs it. So really it's just doing what I've always done, which is just try to communicate. We've obviously ramped up all of our, social media and MailChimp stuff to keep clients informed as to what's going on. Uh, that helps a lot too. But like I said, the main thing is just responding when there's a question, reaching out, um, and then just trying to do some general marketing where instead of maybe marketing to a product, you just try to market to the, you know, you try to do something that's fun and something that will uh, take
3: their mind off things for a few minutes.
1: I like it. What about you, Patrick?
3: I mean, obviously for us in, in our industry, we've had to do quite a bit of pivoting in the last couple of weeks um, for just um, showings primarily. Uh, that's obviously been a big deal And then listings, people wanting people coming through their homes, things like that. But what I've told agents, and, and listen, I think most small businesses are all very similar when you really break it down to basics, they need lead generation is what they need. They need to find a way to create customers and clients. I always believe that comes from knowing your audience, but also it just comes from being helpful. And so I've encouraged all of our agents right now just to use this time as an opportunity. A lot of uncertainty out there, not always confident in what you're watching in the news, There's a bunch of different sources coming at you. Reach out to your clients and, and people that have worked in the last two or three years. Offer to be a resource. Uh, answer questions for them. How can you help them? What are they struggling with? Did they just lose a job? You know, I, I think there's a lot of those types of opportunities for us just to be human and care for one another uh, and yet still have that as a way to, like in my business, which is really top of mind marketing, to stay top of mind and to stay in touch with people. And And I will say in this kind of age of quarantine, it is one of the things I can do on a daily basis that helps me feel normal. So we've, it's just uh, reaching out and having those conversations with other people.
1: Yeah. We really
2: enjoyed being a, uh, a resource.
1: So, I know, Mike, uh, your business has undergone some changes. Huh. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh,
0: when it comes right down to it, I think uh, uh, my business was impacted Probably almost as much as some restaurants have been impacted. Although fortunately, we're in a position to deal with it more easily than a lot of restaurants are. We are no longer looking for new medical malpractice cases. For most of my career in law so far, uh, my firm has focused on medical malpractice litigation. We represent people who have been injured by the healthcare system, uh, suing hospitals and doctors who have caused serious injuries or deaths, and a big part of running a business like that, the the law firm as a business, is being able to value those cases accurately before you take them. Because we do them all on contingency. The firm fronts all of the money to run these cases. And it takes typically three to five years to complete a major medical malpractice case. It's a very lengthy process and there's no way to shortcut that. It takes that long before you get the result. So when I'm evaluating a case up front, I have to determine, first of all, whether it's a winner or a loser, and got to know that it's quite confidently a winner. We, we don't take questionable cases on the facts. But then secondarily to that, we have to determine that the case is worth clearly a lot more money than what it will cost to run that case. Now, because of the laws that protect doctors and hospitals uh, from suits, it's very expensive to sue them. Even if you have a great case, even when someone has been seriously injured or killed by an obvious mistake, it's still a lot of hoops to jump through, and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars and takes years to do it. So I've got to know up front that the case I'm taking is going to be worth that tremendous financial and time commitment. Because uh, if I lose, I'm out the cost of a house uh, for every loss. It's just not a not something that can be sustained. So appropriately valuing cases in advance is critical to this type of a legal practice. And I no longer have any confidence that we can accurately value a MedMal case. I think in the last month, we've seen some fundamental shifts in the way Americans relate to the healthcare industry and a lot of shifting of blame uh, where people used to feel frustrated with their local hospitals and even their local healthcare providers, they now are directing that frustration at the government and at regulators and at administrators uh, at the government level. And that's not something that I can help with. That's not a, a narrative or a, a paradigm that works well for medical malpractice claims. So I, I don't think that the traditional uh, approaches to determining the strength or value of a medical malpractice case will hold in the long run. And as a result, I'm not taking those risks anymore. So our firm is shifting now, for, whereas we used to do about two-thirds medical malpractice and one-third small business law and other... Uh, other types of law. We are now dropping MedMal, except for the cases that we are still litigating, which we will continue to pursue. Um, But we're looking now more for small business clients and for individuals with legal issues that are transactional in nature. So we're going to get back to helping local business owners, uh, restaurants, uh, cleaning company owners, uh, the types of entrepreneurs and self-employed people that we've helped more in the past uh, we're going to to return to serving that community locally because they need the help right now.
1: Lots and lots of advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for me, I mean, uh, at, you know, AZCLG, we did credit repair, credit counseling, debt consolidation and bankruptcy. And, you know, right now with the state of, you know, the economy and the uncertainty, it's just very complicated giving people, you know, blanket advice right now. It's so individualized. And for so many people, it's like, you got to wait and see what's going to happen. And for some people, you know, it's like, yeah, you're probably going to end up filing bankruptcy in six months. So that's just sort of the reality of it. But with X firm, you know, we primarily just do financial consulting and help people with financial transaction planning, which is a little bit more strategic advice. But with any business that's trying to pivot or decide what their next step is, the key is, you have to keep moving forward even though the world seems like it came to an end it didn't like we've got to keep moving forward and we're all in this together and there's tons of professionals out there that are happy to come together and give people advice you know whether it's legal advice or just marketing advice or sanity or uh there's tons of apps out there for people who still want to mix and mingle like uh the house party app or just zoom or facebook or whatever video chat there is Um, you know, you still have to incorporate that into your daily lives. Otherwise you'll go nuts. So what are you guys doing to stay social and still focus on your business? I am uh, fortunate enough that it it
2: turned out that a lot of my clients, uh, are also, and have become really good friends. So (laughs) the kind of the co-mingling there of the calling them to talk about how their business is doing, um, it's really, they're really our friends of mine. So that's helped a ton. I'll tell you the, the, one of the cooler things that, that well, the virtual happy hours are pretty cool. <laughs> um, we're actually, you're actually able to see people that you haven't seen in a while in a social setting, which is cool on a social side, me and some, um, our weekly Tuesday poker game obviously got canceled. So we were actually able to to do the whole, the whole poker game online. <laughs> so it was really cool. So it's just, once again, it's just using this technology to, to keep things, you know, keep things at some kind of normalcy. But yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Just a lot of, a lot of once again, talking to clients and just uh, clients slash friends and then uh, doing a lot of this stuff. This stuff is awesome.
3: Love it.
1: What about you, Patrick?
3: Yeah, I think it's a lot of the same for me. You know, like I said earlier, I, I do feel like a lot of this uh, is creative constraint and I'm always amazed at how uh, people use it. A friend of mine has something that she does Called Wine Down Wednesdays, and it's on Zoom. And <laughs> anybody can pop in, and you bring a glass of wine, and you just come and talk and hang out. So, you know, I think again, it's just um, providing ways for to be helpful in your communities. You know, I know for like for our kids, uh, trying to set things up with them and their classmates, even to do some Zoom and some socialization. But, you know, like I said earlier, I think just Um, I do a lot of calling the agents that we have, um, calling my clients, um, clients from the past, probably two or three, maybe four years. They got a lot of questions right now. They're concerned about their home values, all of that. Um, and it's a great time just to reconnect. So, you know, I shouldn't say that I can possibly, but I have not been fantastic at keeping in touch with every single one of my clients. It's just a, it's a gargantuan task for one person this is an excellent opportunity to do that. And it's an excellent opportunity to kind of slow things down a little bit and examine exactly what are necessities within the business um, and what have just been distractions lately. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, again, I want to be sensitive to just how crazy this pandemic is and, and how I think destructive it can be for some people. But I do think at least me, I'm using it as an opportunity to, kind of reset some of these processes and bad habits that I've gotten into.
1: Yeah. I definitely can agree with that. I've become like Susie Homemaker over here. I made cupcakes today. Wow. (laughs) Uh I cook more. I definitely clean more. Work ends at a normal time because you're not fighting traffic to go anywhere. Yeah. It's just weird. This is,
2: uh, and I agree, with Patrick, even though this is a horrible, horrible thing, um, you have to take the goods out of it. And yes. some of the goods are the ability to, when you're working from home, do those projects that you've been putting off for a year to get it started. I mean, this is a great opportunity you know, to obviously reevaluate your processes, but really just those things that are on your list, your to-do list, that you never really have a chance to get to. This is the time to do them. This is the time to actually... Find that old that old thing out, just get it out and say, okay, what's the first step in getting this getting this task going? And before you know it, you've got that, you've got that thing that's been you've been putting off for six months and it's done. So yeah, so I'm trying I'm trying obviously, yes, like we obviously know this is a horrible thing, but I'm trying to find the good in this, obviously it keeps me sane. But by trying to find the good in this whole thing, um, it it's it's helping me move forward and get things accomplished that like I said, I've tried to get accomplished for years with being stuck in traffic and all those things that on a daily basis that I, I was doing, there wasn't any time for it. Well, now there is. So there's no excuse anymore. So I'm going deep into my into my to-do list, like 100 <laughs> <laughs> pages back going, what did I not accomplish? And I'm reevaluating those 10, 15 things. And I'm saying, I actually want to get this thing done today. And I'm going to do this one tomorrow. And I'm going to fix that thing out outside the porch. And I'm going to fix mm-hmm. that light bulb. And I think just doing those tasks and it, it helps keep things sane. And then obviously try to turn the TV off whenever you can.
1: Yeah. The news will rot your brain with too much of that. Yes, for sure. In doses. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about this SBA loan that is coming out. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about it, whether or not their businesses qualify. I think they call it the Paycheck Protection Program.
0: That's one of them. The a of from. So. The PPP is coming out shortly. I just did the Chase webinar on it this afternoon. And I've got to say, they really didn't have much information. They just kind of uh, said the information is going to be coming. But the last I had heard, the application window is supposed to open tomorrow. But Chase does not seem to be prepared to accept application materials tomorrow. Uh, They said to check their website and they'll let us know when it's available. So we'll see what that means. What are you guys hearing about this? Paul?
2: Yeah. So depends on the lender. Uh, I just got an email from, from my bank, which is Comerica. They had sent out one early in the week saying, Hey, we don't have anything ready to go yet, but give us a call. We'll put you on your list. They just came out today and said, Hey, we're not going to do this in person. We're not going to call you. Here's the website, fill the format. Here's the information we need. And that's the one thing that, you know, we've been pretty on top of this whole thing since the very start, as far as obviously trying to be a resource for our clients. And we actually have one of the guys in our office is uh, this is pretty much all he's doing right now. Uh, His job is to know this thing, figure out every question we don't know the answer to, and then find the answer to that question. So I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I got a pretty good chunk of them. And the ones I don't have, I know Joey does have. So we've, we've got this thing pretty dialed in at this point.
1: Yeah, your email updates have just been awesome.
2: <laughs> good, good. Yeah, that's that's and that's that's all content. We're we're obviously stealing content from everywhere, but we're actually we're actually putting our own our own fingerprint on that content and changing it up a little bit and really trying to apply it to our client base.
0: Yeah. So, what's the uh, thirty second summary on the PPP? What do people need to know about this?
2: I'm going to say that the main thing is that two and a half times what your payroll is, and then you use that money for payroll. You can use it for, to pay the rent, keep the lights on, pay the internet, the copy bill. Uh, you can use that money for, for a lot of, as long as you use them for, for either payroll or keeping the lights on, so to speak, you don't have to pay that piece back. So for example, we've got figure it figured out that we're going, to be, we're going to be borrowing about 60 grand. We don't have to pay a dime of that back because that's really all we need the money for. I don't need the money for anything else. I just need it to help with payroll expenses. So that 60 grand is going to cover our payroll for about, about three months. Yeah. And, and we we hope by then and, and, and really our business hasn't been affected yet because we're because we're insurance agents, you know, we're still getting paid on stuff clients paid in January. So this won't really hit us until June. June's gonna be our kind of our, you know, our oh my goodness, what just happened? So this is gonna allow us to have some money set aside so that when June and July and August roll around we're going to be able to weather this storm with with pretty much no problems at all. And from what I understand understand about it, the government wants the business owners to take this money. There's not going to be a ton of uh, requirements. There's not going to be a ton of back-end stuff that they want. It's going to be more or less just take the money, keep the doors open, and we're going to worry about everything else later. Um, But it doesn't sound like they have the ability or the want to really try to, to be picky about this six, seven, eight months, nine months down the road. They just want you to take the money, keep the doors open, and then they're pretty much going to forgive the loan.
0: Now, do you know uh, the one question that seems to be coming up with a few people I've talked to is whether uh, independent contractors that you <laughs> use on a regular basis, yes, all right, as payroll money for the forgiveness right. portion of
2: this. So that's I'm going to say that that is ninety percent of the questions we get right now. It has to do <laughs> with ten ninety nines. So here's 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 the way it's going to work. If it's a 10, like for us as an, as an insurance company, we have insurance agents that work for us. That insurance agent, we will be able to include them in our calculation. So yes, we can, they do count as payroll. However, if you're paying, if that independent contractor is actually their own actual corporation, we have some of our agents that are, that are corporations. In that example, they will not be included under us. They'll have to file their own PPP loan. But if it's truly just an individual, and that individual is your 1099, then yes, they can be included. Yes, you can use that money. And no, you do not have to pay back what you give them.
0: Now, what about businesses that use an arrangement where their payroll comes from a different entity than their operation? In other words, you've got one entity that's set up to handle your payroll, so your W-2 employees are paid through that entity, but it's not the entity that actually operates your business.
2: Say that one more time. (laughs) You basically have a PEO. Oh, a PEO. Okay. So if it's a PEO, uh, that still qualifies because the PEO is a co-employer relationship uh, legally. So it doesn't, so that shouldn't matter at all.
0: Okay. Good to know. Um, And do you know, do you have any specific information yet on exactly what these loan terms are going to be, what the interest rate is and what the period is? Because I've seen Um, all over the
2: place. So it depends on the loan program you're going with. If you're going with the the, the disaster relief one that gives you the flat the emergency ten thousand, that'll be a thirty year payback. Yeah, they're going thirty years on that, wow. and I want to see the rates on it in the mid to low threes. Okay. And then the for the uh, for the for the PPP program, um, it, let's just say you borrowed a hundred thousand and you only use fifty for payroll and then you, use that, you, you, you took the other 50 and use it for something else that wasn't qualified, you would have to pay that other 50 back. And I'm not sure about the length on that loan, but I do know the percentage rate's about
3: 3.65%.
0: Patrick's holding up the two fingers. I think that means that's a two-year term, and I think I've seen that also.
3: Yeah, that, at least that's what I've seen from most of the banks right now for the PPP is it's been a, a 0.50, like a half percent interest rate, and then a two-year term. But I know different banks are implementing it differently, yeah. um, and I will say I don't, because we we've looked at this for our for our landlords, property management mm-hmm. companies, things like that. There doesn't seem to be a lot out there at all on it right now. Mm-hmm. I think this is so new; they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants right now. So you know, I get it, and, and I'm appreciative of it, but. I think information's kind of all over the place, and I'm appreciative of having somebody like Paul around to be able to talk and ask, <laughs> ask about
2: it.
0: Yes. And Paul, <laughs> do you have any sense of whether the uh, applications for this are expected to outstrip the availability? I mean, I know that's kind of a ridiculous question to ask at this point because it's yeah. never been done before and nobody really has any data, but is this something where only a fraction of people who apply are likely to get it?
2: When this thing first came out, I was like, I I was just the opposite. I'm like, oh, this is plenty of money. This will be plenty of money to (laughs) tell everybody. And then, then, you know, and then, and then, like, it's like six, seven hours later, I'm like, there ain't no way this is enough money. (laughs) So, so what I think we're going to see here is we're going to see phase four and a phase five and a phase six and a phase seven. Um, I think when when the money does run out, the, the really one nice thing about owning the printing press is that when you run out of money, you can just go make more
0: just dilutes the rest of ours.
2: <laughs> oh, hey, but, but it, the reality is as long as the rest of the world also is printing money like mad, then it really doesn't dilute anybody's money because, well, it just dilutes it, but it doesn't, it doesn't cause any currency issues. So long story short, I think they'll just keep putting more and more money out there as much as they need to to ensure the businesses can keep their doors open. And like I said, I don't know, this is never meant to be a one-year fix. This is meant to be a you know, 75-day fix. That's really all this is meant to be. And if as long as we can all be back to work in 75 days, I think we are going to see a, you know, a V-shaped recovery. However, the way the data is looking, uh, this might extend past that. If it does, if it does, then truly they're going to have to come up with, with new, more creative ideas. Because, yeah, because if, if, if it goes past 75 days, we have a whole new set of problems to deal with. And uh, I think that reality is just now starting to kick in.
1: I'm a, by
0: day. I'm a hope for the best plan for the worst kind of guy. But if I have to bet my money on an outcome, I'm going to bet on this not going smoothly and taking a really long time.
2: Kind of. A mess. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that that website is going to crash tomorrow <laughs> really badly. <laughs> yeah, that's so fair. I think the other piece to that is I think that, that this also goes back to the reason why you want to have a good relationship with your bank and your banker and the branch manager. Uh, when it comes down to it, these branch managers are going to take care of their favorite clients first, just like mm-hmm. you would or I would. Um, so as long as you have a good relationship with your bank and your branch manager, I would think you're going to get taken care of. If you don't, maybe it's time to send them some cookies or some 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 cupcakes or something. Exactly. (laughs) I've
1: got a quick question for all those self-employed people or people who are commission-based. So, you know, you've got agents who, real estate agents out there, loan officers, people like that. Are they at all, does this affect them at all, Patrick? Do they qualify for any type of this payroll relief?
3: Well, if they're W-2'd, it would be my understanding that yes, they, um, so, there will be people that, that will qualify for it. Um, I think it is still up in the air right now, though. Realtors are gonna qualify for it just because they are such a different kind of animal as a 1099 contractor. Um, mm-hmm. And we're still kind of wading through that right now. Obviously, a lot of this is new. I know a lot of our lobbyists are looking into it now, trying to get answers not only at the national level, but the state levels. Uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of the realtor members, so uh, we're we're still trying to figure some of that out. Um, I am definitely not um, going to be relying on any, any of it because we are generally excluded from a lot of these types of of situations anyway. Hopefully, this will be a little different. I know, um, as I said, NA Association is working on something for that, but it's just such a different animal that I. Um, at this point, it doesn't look like it, but hopefully, maybe that'll change soon.
2: I was on a I was on a call this morning with a uh, with one of the major banks, and it, it seemed to hint that the
3: that they would be covered, Patrick. Well, I, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we've gotten, I think, conflicting information from a lot of different sources, and so I'm kind of waiting to hear kind of clarification from. Some of our leadership, I think, to know what that process looks like and and that kind of thing. So we'll we'll definitely be looking at it and keep an eye on. But I, if you're a realtor out there, that's where I'd say you know continue to watch your email and keep in touch with your local and state associations to watch for some of that news.
2: Well, you, you they obviously have the unemployment. They can always they can always turn back on if you know for some reason that you know it's one of the other government programs failed. I would think that other ones would would be
3: able to pick them up. Hopefully, yeah. In theory, you're absolutely right.
0: (laughs) So everybody's talking about the SBA loans that are available. Is there anything else that's come out of these stimulus packages that small business owners need to know about? Uh, What about the personal aspects of the program? Are are there any aspects of the the personal bailout that are particularly applicable to small business owners or self-employed?
2: Well, small business owners are calculated in that payroll number. So if, you know, if if this small business owner pays themselves $5,000 a month, they're going to be able to get $1,250 to me, $12,500 to be able to also pay their payroll as well for the next few months. The one thing that's not going to be calculated in that is going to be draws. So if that business owner, you know, they really make 10 grand a month, but they only pay themselves five through payroll. The only thing they're gonna be able to 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 count on is that five thousand dollar reimbursement for the two and a half months. They don't get the five thousand dollars they took out in draws.
0: What if you've had large single payments that have been characterized as guaranteed payments for tax purposes rather than as distributions? Do so you know if that's gonna work? Yeah. And I'm asking yeah. this purely for my own benefit because that's what I did last.
2: Yeah. Week. <laughs> Are you uh, so, but I, I imagine doesn't that doesn't that still run through your corporation,
0: though? So it does, but rather than being a W two employee of the corporation and paying myself through payroll, I've taken single large chunks a couple times a year. But our accountants have opted to classify those as guaranteed payments, uh, which they were. It was arranged in advance, rather than construing them as distributions.
2: I don't know. I'm gonna say my guess. gonna I'm gonna say my guess is no. That's um, my that's my initial guess. Um, but once again, if um, we can definitely get that question answered for you. <laughs> any anybody has anybody has any like of these really specific questions like that, definitely shoot us an email. And like I said, I will get it over to our internal tax guru geeky guy and let him uh, let him research the question for you.
0: I you hear it. that, everybody? Contact Hershenberg Stonewalsh Financial Services and they will answer all of <laughs> it for you.
2: We
1: will. <laughs> that's, that's, that's,
2: we're we're going to do our best to make sure we, we take care of everybody who, who needs help.
1: Love it.
0: That's a lot of people these days.
1: So in the last couple of uh, minutes, <laughs> let's talk about expenses, especially managing them right now. So I think the biggest thing people need to do is kind of take a look and see what can be cut. Yeah. <laughs> Any... I know from my end, on the student loan side, uh, some student loan companies are forbearing payments until September. It's a lender by lender thing. So you've got to call and ask or worse, sit on hold and get disconnected 15 times. That's kind of the state of that right now. I think some car companies uh, will defer a payment for three months and tack it onto your end of your loan. Some lenders are doing things like that on credit cards and on mortgages and you guys know of anything else that's kind of pending out there to sort of yeah.
2: uh, United, United healthcare uh, just came out and said for, for small, for, for, you know, 50 and under employers. Um, as long as if the person needs the help, they will defer the payment for the group health insurance plan for the entire company. I believe until the end of May. Wow. And then, and then from there, I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, there'll be some kind of payment program. Uh, so we're starting to see a lot of that and we're starting to see a lot of the insurance carriers come on board and say, you know, Hey, we, you know, we know things are, we know things are rough right now. Uh, we definitely want you to keep the health insurance for the company. So here's what we're going to do. So uh, right now, United Healthcare is the only one I've seen. Uh, I do know that a lot of the carriers have also said, if just in case you do get uh, the coronavirus, they're not going to hit you with any kind of deductible co-insurance, co-pays, uh, you truly do pay nothing. Uh, with most of the carriers, not all the carriers out there, but most of them have gone that way now. But yeah, definitely the the the, the putting off of the group health insurance ba- bill is a big one because that is a big bill.
1: Yeah, the bigger the employer, the
3: bigger the bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, so going back to the CARES Act a little bit, uh, there are a couple of things that, especially if you own rental properties or investment properties, they can go in that help. Um, there are some forbearance of residential mortgages. I think it's section 4022 and 43 of the CARES Act talks about some forbearance of residential mortgages. Um, and that's intended for those that have rental properties because section 4024 is an eviction moratorium for nonpayment for 120 days. Yeah, um, And that's pretty much been reinforced by the state of Arizona as well. And so you know that um that's going to affect some people and their ability to pay rents. and so if you're you know if you own rental property, you need to keep some of those expenses down. definitely look into that forbearance um, because it can be some temporary relief for you while a lot of this gets uh gets figured out. So that's one way to to look at expenses. Um, a friend of mine used to say she used to cancel her credit card every now and again, because that's how she'd figure out the stuff she was paying for that she forgot about. And so I kind of feel like that's this right now is I'm going back and looking at my expenses and really taking a hard look at, do I use this? And is it giving me enough return on my investment? And I think that's some of the best things that you can do for your business right now is really, again, look at those processes and and look at You know, how can you bring efficiency and some cost effectiveness there? And is it still even working for you? I think is uh, is a great thing because that's that's what the P&L is all about, right? Is uh, keeping the expenses down.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of line items on there, especially with subscription services these days. Everything is a subscription, and if you total it up, I think a lot of businesses would be shocked at how much they spend on their subscription services for users that haven't worked there in years, for uh, just unused accounts. Now is a great time to start cleaning all of that up.
0: Marketing channels that aren't actually producing yeah. all kinds of stuff with no real metrics behind it that you've just been paying for, assuming it's doing something good for you. Maybe it isn't. This is a good time to look at it.
2: <laughs> That's exactly that that right. So should I cancel my prepaid legal then?
0: <laughs> I'm not going to step on any of those terms. <laughs> Oh, we got traffic tickets. That's kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe do an evaluation of the ROI, see how it's been working out for you. Oh, but on those plans, yes.
1: they do offer estate uh, plans for free. So for yep. those people who have like Legal Shield specifically, now is a great time. To get your POAs done, your will done, like yeah. we're all looking at our mortality every day here. So, like, go ahead and just bite the bullet and figure out what you want.
0: <laughs> and that is an important thing. I, our yeah. firm is pivoting into uh, areas that include estate planning, so it's a bit of a plug for us here. But you know, I, I've had a number of people, friends and family, who've approached us in the last couple of weeks asking about getting their estate plans in order because they're in high risk groups for coronavirus and the fact of the matter is uh, that is a good decision that's something that you should do at this point because this virus does appear to be russian roulette uh, you never know if if you're going to get it whether it's going to be quite serious for you or whether it'll be no big deal at all we all need to have things in order because if it turns out that uh, you find yourself in bad health in the near future you're not going to have the resources available to you to handle that at the last minute this is not business as usual for anybody in society right now. And you're not going to be able to have someone come to your hospital bedside or attend to you if things take a turn for the worse to get your estate plan in order. It doesn't work these days. So just like stocking up on toilet paper and rice and beans, uh, probably a good idea to get your estate handled.
2: And also set up a business continuity plan. Absolutely.
0: Critical. If your business relies on any individual for daily operations, if you've got any single point of failure when it comes to people in your business, you better come up with a way to handle that because they could be out of commission for who knows what reason maybe coronavirus but maybe just something else
1: just life because yeah. life still is going to continue to happen yes. to us all and by the way, not
2: only do you need to create one but you need to like summarize it and share it with your clients so that <laughs> they know
3: what the plan is
2: yep or Absolutely. just know they'
3: also. <laughs> Just what else If the you're insurance. a 1099 contractor, you need to create your LLC. Get some and, insurance <laughs> and start getting some of this kind of in <laughs> order. You know, yep, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Now is a great time to do all of those really boring adulting things that you've been putting off for a decade or so. Like if you did your estate plan back in the 90s, it is time to update that.
0: <laughs> if you got married or divorced since you did your estate plan. You should know that in Arizona, it's presumptively invalid now. You need to start over. It will not be enforced the way it was written before.
1: (laughs) Your kids are grown and got married and you've got grandkids. Like, there are so many things that just happen all the time. You need to just, doing an estate plan now is just a really, really good idea.
0: Requires maintenance, as does a business. Um, This is a good time to cross the uncrossed T's and dot the undotted I's.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you both for giving us your legitimate perspectives on the world and being business owners and kicking butt. So tell our listeners how they can reach you, Paul, and ask you all of their
2: billions of questions. Don't Whatever you do, don't call me. Don't email me. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, The best way to get a hold of me is to call me. Um, I pretty much use my cell number for everything. Uh, The cell number is 602 321 2889. Uh, We do have a Facebook page, Hershenberg Stonewash Insurance. You can also email me, which would probably be just as good. Uh, The email is Paul at Hershenberg Financial. And Hershenberg is all E's. It's H-E-R-S-H-E-N-B-E-R-G financial.com.
0: Excellent. And Patrick, how can people get in touch with you about real estate these days?
3: Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, first of all, you could just Google D. Patrick Lewis. I pretty much own the first page. Yep, you're pretty, uh, pretty crazy,
0: uh, as you should be. <laughs>
3: no real uh, that's right. Uh, I know how to, I've been real estateing for a while now. <laughs> um, and uh, my number, though, uh, I give them uh, one of my office numbers. It's 480 535 7930. And they can also go to my website, aroundscotsdale.com or they can email me at patrick at around So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of, would be happy to chat with anybody, answer any questions I can.
0: Excellent. Well, it was great seeing you both. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. This was a bit of an experiment here today with our first remote video conference, audio conference, uh, live podcast. But <laughs> I think we pulled it off well enough, all things considered, and uh, it'll only get smoother from here. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for playing.
3: <laughs> Happy to be a guinea pig for you two anytime.
1: <laughs> well, I'm your co-host, Rochelle Poulton with X-Firm Law, PLLC. You can find us online at xfirmlaw.com.
0: And I'm Mike Poulton with the law firm Poulton & Royan. can find us on the internet at pnlaw.pro. That's P like Paul and like Nancy, L-A-W dot P-R-O. And we are here to help you out with your small business and self-employed legal needs.
1: So we'll talk to you next time, Phoenix.